Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Friday afternoon, TGIF to all our listeners around the state. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson, Friday edition of the Eagle Hour from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us. We're glad it's Friday, and we've got a great show for you today. Patrick McGee for the Biloxi Sun-Herald making a return appearance to a Talk about uh, something that just occurred this morning involving the NCAA and Mississippi universities. He'll be on the show later. Kelly Santer on the show later as well. We're about to uh, introduce what Luke so aptly described as the man who bridged the era between Reggie Collier and Brett Favre and did a mighty fine job about it. Andrew Anderson joining us in just a moment. Opening segment of the show sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of the Eagle Hour. We appreciate those guys so very much. Uh, we all love Dickies on this show. We all eat it pretty frequently, and uh, you can do the same thing this weekend: drive through, dine in, take out. They'll bring it to your house. It's going to be good. Dickies Barbecue Pit. We really do appreciate Justin and all the crew at the Dickies here in Hattiesburg, as well as the Dickies around the state. All right, our first guest was the quarterback for the Golden Eagles from 1983 to 1986. Played in 44 football games, threw for 2,763 yards, and 17 touchdowns in his career and uh, as luke described this is the man that was the bridge between reggie collier and brett Favre. andrew anderson on the eagle hour it is a pleasure to have you on the show sir thank you for having me well you know you uh you you had a great career here you played at a great time i think with a really iconic coach and in and jim carmody uh, you think back on those years those, those have to be pretty special to you andrew yeah, I would say so because Jim Cummings was a he was a different type coach. He was more of a psychological type coach. He didn't communicate with you directly. He went through your position coach, but if he came to you directly, it was something serious. Yeah, he was a real sweetheart too, a real teddy bear. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> <laughs> when he spoke, you listened. You know. <laughs> I, I got to tell you something. We've had him on the show a few times here. Within the last year or two, and of course, coaches on up in age now. Andrew, he is kind of a teddy bear now. He's sort of he's real soft spoken and uh, just real easy to get along with. But I I just thought he and I do think he probably is one of the great coaches of all time in the respect that he coached at all three universities here. Uh, defensive coordinator, he was a genius defensively. I think and. Uh, I'm sure you agree. Playing for Coach Carmody had to be an interesting and good experience. I would say so. But I think he was a terrible bad back then, but it just couldn't show it. Yeah. Because he wasn't only coaching football. He was actually showing you what life is all about. Mm-hmm. You know, ain't no such thing as you can't do it, you're not going to do it. And he always made it perfectly clear that it's my way or the highway. And mm-hmm. he showed that a lot. Right. And, you know, Andrew, we have a lot of players that tell us, former players, current players, that the coaches – uh, mean more to them than just what they learned on the field. That they taught them a lot about being a man. They taught them a lot about uh, conducting themselves throughout their life. W- was Coach Carmody that kind of guy? 
Exactly. You know, he was a real sharp dresser, clean cut. He believed in appearance, and he made sure when we went on away games, we looked like gentlemen, not just football players. Right. And and when I noticed about playing at a university like Southern Mississippi, it was like you had an agenda. You know, you had a schedule you had to meet every single hour on game day, and you were there. Mm-hmm. So you had no time to goof off mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. It was totally focused from the time you got on the plane until you got on the game field. Right. And I know you guys, too, I actually covered uh, Southern Miss during that period of time uh, in TV, and I know that you guys, wherever you went, you went with the total, full, and complete expectation of winning the football game. Exactly. Exactly. Or you did not win a game you supposed to win. Mm-hmm. You get back to campus after the game, like flying back from Memphis. You practice that night. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, you practice that night. You, you, you got it right. You practice that night. <laughs> <laughs> so, so actually, he instilled a lot of fear in us. And yeah. which I think it was a positive thing, too, because uh, winning was everything. You know, it was everything. Right, right. And it's like, you're not going to come out here and work this hard and get beat up and get knocked around to play, what, 17 games, 11 games, and you're going to lose? No, mm-hmm. you're going to win because you're going to realize hard work pays off, which that was part of him teaching us about life. Right. Luke, say hello to Andrew. Andrew Anderson, thank you for being on today, sir. Tell us how you got to Southern Miss. So we love hearing these stories, and particularly coming out of the momentum of the Reggie Collier area. Did you know about Southern Miss? Uh, were you a? Uh, how did how did you end up in Hattiesburg under Coach Carmody? I didn't really know about Southern Miss, but I was being recruited by Ron Cheatham, which he's a high school coach in Birmingham now. But uh, I came down for a visit, and when I saw the game where uh, when Southern Mississippi beat Alabama. Because I'm from Birmingham, when I saw him, when I saw them beat Alabama, I had never seen a quarterback like Reggie in my whole life. You know, you always had the standard type quarterback. You know, if the play is broken, you just fall. You run, you just fall. But this guy, he was like super. You know, I was like, oh my god, he can't be just put one of them. But anyway, that was, that's what sold me to Southern Mississippi. When I came down to visit, it was just a, such a welcome. Just the whole team was just well, even the guys who played with Southern knew you before you got there. Huh. Not as a signing, just yeah. a recruit. They knew of you, so they approached you as they knew you already. And I was very, very impressed when someone walked up to you and never met in your life, and they knew your stats in high school. It was like, wow. Huh. Maybe, they, maybe they got a scouting report on me, too. But th- that, that really impressed me. I like the atmosphere. I like the town. The atmosphere was just beautiful. Huh. And that really sold me on it when I saw him beat Alabama. You'll uh, you'll be happy to know that uh, Reggie's kids don't uh, Reggie's grandkids don't think he actually ran that fast uh, back in the day. He he has told oh, us that before <laughs> on on the show. Uh, your freshman year, you come in and nineteen eighty three special years year I was born. It was the year you were a freshman. You beat Mississippi State and Ole Miss in back to back weeks. It doesn't get much better for a Southern Miss freshman than to do that. No. Anytime you have Mississippi State and Southern uh, Ole Miss on your schedule, you have uh, three schedules, football schedules that season. You're going to beat those teams. You better beat them. You know, you just ignore everybody else for the time, but you better beat Mississippi State and Ole Miss just to get that right, bragging right in the state of Mississippi. So when we approached those games, it was a totally different mindset, totally different. 
Andrew, I want you to, if you will, put in contact for some of our listeners may may not be old enough to have experienced those years of Southern Miss football and those games against Mississippi State and and uh, Ole Miss and the Southern Miss Army that would follow you guys wherever you went. It's just really hard to uh, it's really hard to describe how exciting those days were, isn't it, Andrew? Yeah, it is. It's, it was. We had a real strong fan base back then. I mean, they was very, very serious about supporting us. And uh, playing back then with the guys like Reggie Collier, uh, Lewis Lips, Don Horn, Raymond Powell, you have seen Reggie perform on the field, but you actually have to be there on the field with him to see how amazing he was. Mm-hmm. And Lewis Lips, one of the nicest guys I ever met in my life, didn't drink, did not smoke, wasn't loud, just great at his art. Mm-hmm. But Andrew Mark came in. I think he came in with me. Uh, he after me. But when Andrew Mark came in, he was like, he was equal to Louis Phillips as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That guy was amazing. He was from Hattiesburg, too, if I'm, if I'm right about that. He was from Hattiesburg, and I'm talking about this guy. Was, he was amazing. Right, right. You know, you know he, was, he was just good at any position, quarterback, running back. Uh, his main sport was baseball, I heard. He was outstanding in baseball. Mm-hmm. Just a super athlete. But playing back then, it was just a real exciting feeling on Saturday morning to play. I love playing at Southern. I, mean, I love to play home games because, you know, you get to see your true fans. A lot of them was able to be there. Mm-hmm. And it's just that atmosphere. Just, just, there's no way in the world someone can beat you in that stadium. No, no, you're right. And, and I remember the days when uh... – you guys would be warming up on the field, and uh, they would be playing that Queen song, Another One Bites the Dust, through the uh, loudspeakers. <laughs> yes. And you could look at the opposing team, and you could almost see that they were defeated before the game ever started. Am I right? Exactly. They was very intimidated. Yes. <laughs> I agree with you totally with that, you know, because it's like I felt, we felt like we couldn't be beat. No right. way. Right. right. No, man. You're, you're a hundred – you're 100% right. I, dude, I could talk to you all day about the era of Southern Miss football you played in. Unfortunately, our segment is up, but I just want to thank you. You were a great part of just incredible times uh, for Southern Miss football fans, and uh, we thank you so much for everything you did on the field, Andrew, and we, and we thank you for being on our show. But uh, kudos to you, man. You, you played during the heyday, and uh, you were a huge part of the great success that we enjoyed. I appreciate that. It's good to hear that. All right. Andrew Anderson, everybody, on the Eagle Hour. We'll have to get you back again soon, Andrew. Okay, then. All right. Thank you, my man. Andrew Anderson, quarterback for the Golden Eagles, 1983 to 1986. Fabulous times to be a Southern Miss football fan, and Andrew Anderson was a big part of that. All right. Kind of stunning news today from the NCAA is uh, the revolution comes to Mississippi next. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. I want to thank Andrew Anderson for joining us uh, in the first segment, bringing back some great memories about Southern Miss football back in the mid-1980s. Uh, it was just heyday of Southern Miss uh, football, and good to talk to Andrew Anderson, who led the team for four years, 83 to 86, 
This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart on Hardy Street, campusbookmart.net. That's where you go to get your Southern Miss apparel, household items, car accessories. I think Luke was over there yesterday buying a tag for his newest vehicle. Uh, Campus Bookmart's the place to go. If you can't make it in person, go to campusbookmart.net. It's Friday. Uh, normally, Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald is with us on Thursday, but Patrick uh, back for a return engagement today. And, Patrick, that's because uh, news broke this morning that the NCAA announced that it would prohibit uh, universities in Mississippi from hosting any postseason championship NCAA-sponsored play in the future until the state of Mississippi changes its flag. So the mixture of sports and um, and politics is back onto the state of Mississippi. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's an issue that you know uh, it's obviously been put to the forefront here on the issue of racism, institutional racism. And uh, as soon as everything flared up, uh, I think everybody knew the state flag was going to again be put to the forefront. And. Uh, you had a sense that something was going to change this time around. It seems like people are taken more seriously. And the SEC stepped up uh, uh, last night and, and decided to ban events in, uh, in the state. And then Conference USA followed shortly after, saying they're considering it. You know, the Conference USA is not has always been a pretty cautious uh, group. And now the NC2A, uh, it seemed kind of headed this direction. It's obvious uh, the NC2A probably communicated with both conferences. Uh, before it, it, it released its ruling this morning. And, uh, you know, some people see it as political. Some people see it as issue of right and wrong. Uh, and it's obviously uh, the university has taken its own position way back in 2015, removing the flag from campus. And uh, there's no public university in the state that weighs it. So uh, it's, um, it, it's put Tate Reeves, obviously, in a very difficult position to where I think that we'll probably – it's just my opinion. I think we'll have a new flag by the end of the year. Patrick, as a man that covers sports for a living, your thoughts about the NCAA involving itself in politics? You know, similar thing happened a couple of years ago in North Carolina. And I just put the issues aside, the individual issues aside for a moment. Do you think that is the role of the NCAA or not? Well, unfortunately, it, you know, what, for states like Mississippi, you know, it's uh, to bring about change. Sometimes you have to step up and 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 and, and do the best you can to represent the athletes themselves. Uh, we've seen issues in the past where uh, there's been discriminatory laws put forward in states like Indiana against uh, gay uh, uh, individuals, and that impacts you know everybody across the board, every university. So. Uh, this isn't the first time the NC2A has stepped up and tried to uh, do what it thinks best for the student-athletes, and obviously the school like Southern Miss or Ole Miss or State, most of the athletes are African-American. And uh, this is they finally took the step. I don't know what it took so long, honestly. Uh, they finally, you know, they, they made a previous ruling, but that only applied to uh, tournaments uh, that were planned in advance. In other words, the NCAA mm-hmm. men's tournament, the women's tournament, or excuse me, actually, the women's doesn't apply to the women's tournament because the first two rounds, I guess, are on campus. Uh, but they still allowed uh, those to move forward because they weren't planned in advance. So, uh, uh, you know, it's for right now it's bye-bye regionals and bye-bye super regionals. Right. All right, Luke, uh, the University of Southern Mississippi's athletic department is fully on board. Am I right? 
Yeah, I just got an email actually from uh, Dr. Bennett as a, on the alumni email, and uh, he was referring to this is what it says today. I joined the institutional executive officers of uh, officers of Mississippi's public universities in issuing a statement in response to the NCAA's announcement that postseason play in all sports would be prohibited from taking place in the state of Mississippi as a result of the state flag. Um, what he's referring to is, uh, I believe it's eight, yes, presidents from Alcorn State, Delta State, Jackson State, Mississippi State, Mississippi University for Women, Mississippi Valley State, University of Mississippi, and Southern Miss. Uh, they re- they released a joint statement just a few minutes ago. Jeremy McLean uh, tweeted out his support of that joint statement. I fully support this statement from our higher education leaders throughout the state of Mississippi. It is time to make this long overdue change and allow us as Mississippians to pursue a brighter future, uh, all caps, together. So, Patrick, Jeremy McLean's on board. And, you know, the, the thing to me, and, and we're not here to, to just talk political stuff, but at the same time, it needs to happen sooner than later. And the only way it can really happen sooner is for the legislatures to do it. History lesson in uh, 1894, not for you, Patrick, but for people who may not know, the legislature are the ones that put the present state flag into existence. So it would be falling precedent if they were to, you know, remove it. But apparently Jeremy McLean on board. And, yeah, just like you said, Patrick, a minute ago, it's inevitable and change has to come. Yeah, and uh, and Tate Reeves has been pretty adamant that he doesn't, he won't sign off on it. Uh, I guess that could change, but. If the state legislature steps forward with a veto-proof uh, vote, uh, then they can change the flag. I don't, you know, I have I'm not, I haven't been counting heads or any of that. Uh, I think there's support for the issue on both sides now. This isn't a Republican or a Democratic issue. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's 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 an issue of what you know. It's it the flag has been a little bit of a, a burden, both you know, uh, socially and economically. I mean, there's been things I think the state has missed out on over the last at least the last two decades. Uh, just because of the state flag. So uh, I, I think now there's enough support to change it, but there's no guarantee uh, that it's going to happen by the end of the year. I think it will happen just because, obviously, the pressure is mounting at this point. Guys, am I, am right. I wrong in, in thinking that there is a uh, – doesn't the Georgia state flag contain uh, contain uh, remnants of – It was uh, changed – yeah, it was changed in 2014. It, it, if you know flags of the Confederacy, the uh, the one that uh, was really the official flag of the Confederacy, it's called the Stars and Bars. Georgia's looks like that in somewhat of a template. They replaced uh, the the stars in the middle. There's actually a re- uh, reference uh, to the Constitution in the upper left bar of it, or the the quadrant. So they, but they kept but that, yeah, they and, kept that on their flag basically. They just changed well, that yeah. emblem, but it's still on their flag, correct? No, I mean the emblem is completely removed from Georgia's flag. Is I mean, okay. I think there's there, there's an argument that there's the emblem. I think on the flag was actually used during the Confederacy, but I think that's actually a rumor that's debunked. Uh, it's 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 not that. I mean, it's a changed flag. Uh, there may be if you really want to. I mean, you you can make arguments about Alabama's flag and all these others because the St. Andrew's Cross shows up in a lot of different ways uh, during right. the Civil War. I mean, it could be this, it could be that. But it, it, the problem is, is that the, the the emblem that's on the Mississippi flag has been incorporated by hate groups, and that's that's yeah. really made things ten times worse. Uh, yeah. You know, you you can go back and re- debate history, but it, there's no denying where it stands now. 
So, Patrick, but the, the big thing is, the reason this is such news today is no no regionals for Southern Miss baseball, Mississippi State or Ole Miss. If you had a bowl game in the state of Mississippi, couldn't do that. Uh, you could probably kiss the 2020 Conference USA baseball tournament bye-bye from Hattiesburg. So anything right, postseason related with the NCAA would not happen in the state of Mississippi, and that includes D2 schools as well. Yeah, the the, uh, well, the the conference would have to step uh, step up and ban it from Hattiesburg in 2023, uh, uh, because you know this NCAA ruling only applies to you know its own sanctioned events. In other words, the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournaments, the regionals and the super regionals. Uh, so it's up to Conference USA to decide whether they're still going to allow Southern Miss to host in 2023. And like I said, Conference USA said it's revisiting this. And it's complicated because they just gave the, the tournament to Southern Miss like three weeks ago. Right. Uh, so I, I don't I don't know exactly where the conference is going to come down on that. I don't, I don't think it's guaranteed. Of course, a lot of things can change between now and 2023. Uh, maybe they just kind of you know uh, you know punt the ball a little bit and say, well, if they don't change it by 2023, we're going to give it to Louisiana Tech or something like that. Hmm. Well, yeah, they need to in the case of basketball. You know, I, I you could envision a day maybe that the team wins 30 games and doesn't get invited to an NCAA tournament. No, that already <laughs> happened, didn't it, Patrick? That's already happened. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting confused. <laughs> All right, Patrick, we appreciate you coming in on your day off and uh, appreciate it hearing from Blue. Patrick, in yeah, case you don't know, has one of the <laughs> coolest-looking dogs on the planet. He is a cool-looking dog. Yeah, those blue eyes. He, he just everybody sees him. They just kind of stop and they just kind of do a double take. Is like, does that dog got those eyes? He, he's yeah. a he's a good dog. He's a little bar- he barks a little too much at times, but he's a good dog. Well, and I'm happy to say well, he's a rescue dog, isn't he, Patrick? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and he was perfectly house trained. I don't know how the heck somebody had him at some point trained him well, and he's he's turned out okay. I just need him shut up now and then. He's in good hands now, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, Patrick, we appreciate you, buddy, very much. Thanks for the extra segment. Right, thank you. Uh, Patrick McGee, he doesn't need to worry, though, Bob, because uh, we, we usually hear Louie the Wonder Dog from Kelly about every other Well, day, we so may Blue's hear from Louie here pretty soon, actually, and uh, Louie and Blue. Uh, but Blue is really a cool dog. Patrick uh, and his girlfriend recently adopted Blue down in the Crescent City of New Orleans, I think. All right, Luke, well, we'll talk more about that uh, as the days go on. Uh, but, boy, just my personal perspective, I just hate to see the NCAA impose its will against people in political situations. You know, they have enough trouble governing football. And who's? would you be willing to bet that'll never be a controversy in Alabama? Fair to say? I don't know. Kelly's next. Southern Miss to the top. Back on a Friday, third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located just in the shadow of M.M. Roberts Stadium across Highway 49 from Southern Miss. 895 daily lunch that comes with a free drink. Great place, uh, great memorabilia, and I appreciate Slade White and his crew over there sponsoring the Eagle Hour, 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. 
Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and downtown Laurel, Mississippi. Uh, Ole Miss continues uh, to uh, pull out the uh, the scheduling wand and, and really make some miracles happen in their, their scheduling. Uh, but they do, no, uh, recently announced they're going to have a home-and-home with South Alabama. Yesterday, they are uh, putting Alcorn State on the schedule, and Kelly John Sander has breaking news about who Ole Miss will schedule next. Boy, I'll tell you what, Luke, as long, you know, they're striking while the iron is hot. While they are beefing up that schedule, they've just announced they have booked a game with the University of Phoenix. (laughs) 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 And, and apparently they're going to play this game entirely using a Zoom meeting app. (laughs) And we heard basketball with Antonelli College. (laughs) <laughs> so I, if, if that does, look if that, if that doesn't get you a bid into the national uh, championship playoff nothing will right i went yesterday i went and found that that uh that little clip from the matrix you know where where neo is like dodging all those bullets just in slow motion and i just said it's here's a live look at old miss dodging southern miss by scheduling everybody else i mean it's ridiculous but i mean no it, it is yeah, and, we, we should and that's we that's we just should, it we don't we don't we, mind the fact that they're that they're booking these other teams i mean you know we you, you always try to get some of those games but as long as you're booking other schools hello we're right here yeah. You know? Yeah. Easy to find. We we should make notice. This is the first I mean, this is a it's a historical moment. It's the first time Ole Miss has uh scheduled a historic black college. Um no, there's to, nothing to, wrong with that. There's you know, nothing wrong with that's great. It. Yeah. And I look I love games against the, the in state guys. Jackson State, I'll tell you what, when the Sonic when the Sonic boom comes or when Southern brought their band, that's in Louisiana, I get that. So I mean th- I'm not downplaying the significance of them scheduling Alcorn State. I am saying there's absolutely zero excuse in two thousand twenty for Ole Miss to not schedule Southern they're missing football. Right. Well, this would also be the first time that they've scheduled an institution where all the degrees are given out strictly online. <laughs> <laughs> He's back to Phoenix. the University of Phoenix again, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, you know. Kelly, if I get fired, we're going to move in with you. Me, radio, Bruno, and Angela. I'm just giving you well, a heads I'm, up. Since since you since you may be sick, Bob, I don't I don't know if I you know, <laughs> scabies. That <laughs> was that what it was? Rickets. No, that's what. It yeah, was. I, I think yeah. we don't know what they're talking yeah. about, ladies and gentlemen. We have no idea. I was at the doctor's office this morning. Kelly asked me off air if I was diagnosed with rickets. <laughs> <laughs> what exactly are All right. rickets? I don't know, but I had a monkey one Moving time, and he died of rickets. Right. <laughs> Along, moving right along, two major league uh, teams have shut down their spring training facilities. The Philadelphia Phillies and now the Toronto Blue Jays, Kelly, uh, with some COVID diag- diagnosis. Yeah, seven seven Philadelphia Phillies testing positive for the uh, for the virus now, and of course because those seven obviously were practicing and around other players on their team. Now the Phillies just felt that was the best thing to do. Uh, similar situation with the Blue Jays, which of course leads to the question if, if there is going to be baseball, which we're still not completely sure that that's going to happen, um, that you're going to play without the Blue Jays and the Phillies. How, how is this going to work? And, you know, more and more football teams, right after we left the Eagle Hour yesterday when we went off the air, Dr. Fauci, you know, Anthony Fauci, uh, who everybody knows by now, uh, made a, made a public statement that he just did not see how football at any level 
was going to be able to be played this fall because more and more tests that are coming in, more test results coming in at all the different levels are showing more and more players testing positive. Of course, the Alabama story broke last week. So it's just uh, just another day in the life of this thing that's just getting to be a bigger nightmare and a headache as we go on. Right. Also, uh, a COVID outbreak with uh, several Dallas Cowboy football players, including their star running back, Ezekiel Elliott. So it's everywhere. I mean, you know, just no denying it's it's everywhere. Uh, Kelly, is your optimism beginning to fade maybe about baseball this spring? Well, from, from a disease standpoint, well, disease, the virus standpoint, it, it wasn't until those two teams shut down their facilities because – you would think that they're no different, really, than a lot of other clubs, and that more and more testing is going to take place, and more and more testing takes place, more people are going to turn up positive. So, yeah, and, and the commissioner, Rob Manfred, said, you know, this negotiating, supposed negotiating between the Players Association and the owners has got to stop. I mean, at some point, they've got to, you know, stop talking and get playing if right. if they're going to play. The only, the only sport... Uh, Strangely, that has had zero positive tests has been the PGA Tour. Hmm. The Professional Golf Association is testing all the tour players every week, and they have had zero positive tests. But, you know, golf obviously is an individual sport. It's, it's much easier to socially distance and, and do things in golf, you know, than it would be in a team sport like, uh, like football or baseball. Uh, but, but to date, that is the only sport that has had zero you know, professionally supervised tests where not one person has been positive, and that is the PGA Tour. Luke, I heard last night that in Europe, uh, you know, obviously uh, soccer is the huge sport there. They're back playing, but I understand playing without fans in the stands. They are, and the Premier League's back up. Uh, it should be up this weekend, um, you know, for, for people to watch. Uh, but yeah, they they have been you know back on the PGA they are they do have this uh, big charter plane though they're they're flying everybody around and uh, pretty interesting you know what do you do if you miss the cut do you just chill wherever you are for a couple uh-huh. days or do you hire your own charter out of there but it it, uh, it it's been pretty amazing what is it this is the third week back for the PGA tour and uh, so yeah far, and, no, no and not one single positive test of course you talk about missing the cut I'm sure the people that missed the cut you know. Uh, are drinking so heavily that it would kill any virus. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> anyway, right, right. since they didn't make the cut, but um, it just goes back to what you know they, the experts have kind of said from the beginning. The only way to really get a handle on this thing is just to stay away from each other. But in the society we live in, it's just it's just so difficult to do. Yeah. Um, now the, again, the Indy cars and NASCARs are going to start letting people back in, but you have to you have to wonder there how long will that last? You know, before more outbreaks. Uh, take place. You know, you're seeing on university campuses that are opening up that more sororities and fraternities are are turning up with positive tests because you know they're getting together and having parties and you know welcoming each other back, haven't seen each other for a long period of time, and it's just a recipe for disaster. Uh, the city of um, you know the state of Florida today announced what eight thousand new cases. That was statewide, yeah. but eight thousand new cases in Florida and the city of um, Key West said this morning that uh, people outside in Key West will now be required to wear masks through July of 2021. 2021? 2021. Wow. And, Kelly, I guess you heard, too, Chuck Norris has COVID-19. 
Does he really? Yeah, but in, in his case, the virus went into quarantine for two weeks. I was going to say, because, you know, there's all sorts of jokes about Chuck, Chuck Norris. And, I, and he's one guy I do not want to get anything wrong about. You, know? <laughs> no, you don't want him to you don't want to see Chuck at the front door, do you, Kelly? <laughs> no. So, I, you know, I just I don't know, you guys. Um, there's just so much upheaval, you know, in the in the Everywhere. spiritual world and the political world and the You're physical right. world. Man, it's it's nuts. You're right. Uh, Kelly, presuming that we have football this fall. Are we just going to get beat over the head with politics every football game? Gosh, I hope no, because I, I hope not, because politics was always, I mean, even going back to the Olympics, the first, the first hint I ever even knew that politics and sports mixed was when we as a country, you know, uh, protested the, and, and boycotted the 1980 Olympics right, in, right. in Russia. It's I always been the escape from politics. It's been the exactly. escape from all your troubles, right? Exactly. I mean, we can, you know, the politics was who you cheered for and who I cheered for. Right. But that right. was it, you know. Right. Um, so, unfortunately, it is seeping into the, into the sports world, um, too. And, you know, for me, it's always the great thing about sports has always been is that everything gets put aside. Politics are aside. Races aside. Political differences are aside, and everybody's on the same team, right? Everybody's pulling for their team. And uh, you don't see any political affiliation or color on your team. It's your team. And I just hope that, I hope we can still enjoy that. Well, I, I, I think that's a good lesson for, for everybody, Bob, that, that the team that we're talking about now is the United States of America. Right, right. You know, we're, we're all on the same team, you know. We we can disagree on things, but the but the overall goal is for the, you know yeah, and let's our all, team. yeah let's sit down as Americans and work out our differences, and, right? And let's leave it out of our sports, and let's all continue to that our only sports allegiance is to allegiance is to our team. Let's see that even includes the Cincinnati Bengals, Kelly. And thank goodness, Bob, because that's the only way they would ever be included. <laughs> In anything. I'm, I'm sure. That's right. All right. We'll continue our Friday afternoon conversation with Kelly J. Santer right after this. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment of the work week on the Eagle Hour. Thank you for joining us today. Toyota of Hattiesburg brings us uh, the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour every single day. Also located online at toyotahattiesburg.com. And uh, be sure to go and see them when you get ready to purchase your next vehicle. Also a shout out to uh, D-Bat in Hattiesburg. It's one of the the it's the newest uh, practice uh, facility for baseball and softball. It's a great uh, absolutely 
amazing, great facility, uh, top of the line, a lot of things, located at 4600 Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. You can uh, go on their Facebook page, DBAT Hattiesburg, and just look at the outstanding facility it is. And uh, A lot of you out there with facilities that have been shut down for your kids, maybe uh, you haven't been able to get them a place where they can practice their batting and, and fielding and debat in Hattiesburg would love to do that. So hit them up uh, today, 601-438-3228. Continue uh, with Kelly Sander. A couple notes, guys. Uh, Marcelo Rodriguez, uh, of course, we told you that he entered uh, the transfer portal, former quarterback for Southern Miss. He will be going to Western Carolina, so uh, we wish uh, Marcelo Rodriguez all the best as as he moves on. Uh, Bob, uh, news note, Dalton Stanford has been with this show for, for over a year and has, uh, is, is moving on, um, and I guess we will be honest and say two bigger and better things. Yeah, Dalton uh, got him a full-time job uh, at WLOX-TV down on the coast. Dalton did a really wonderful job for us here as a board op, uh, put on a lot of football games on the Air Force, the Mitchell Williams Show, uh, and, of course, uh, produced the Eagle Hour for quite some time. He's a great kid. Kelly knows him really well. He's done some work for Kelly as well in some of Kelly's uh, private broadcast ventures. Good kid, Kelly, and uh, we wish Dalton nothing but the best. A product of William Carey University, right there right. in Hattiesburg, and uh, I haven't met a haven't met a clunker yet that uh, William Carey's graduated. So, no. so Esquire, Dalton Carey's Esquire, good. and we uh, wish Dalton really the very very best. We appreciate everything he did for our show, and I think he starts there pretty pretty soon, doesn't he? Yeah, not, I think uh, so. Yeah, yeah, I think he's going to be a a uh, technical guy to help them get their newscasts on. They got him a good one. Dalton's a guru at all that kind of stuff. He helps you out a lot, doesn't he, Kelly J? Yeah, he does. Uh, of course, I was. You know, all of my stuff was done in in front of the camera, um, and until I got a, a face for radio, right? Um, but yeah, all the all the new technology and stuff he's up to date on, and and good for him. You guys were talking to Andrew um, um, Anderson, right? Anderson. Earlier, right? And um, he was uh, – did he – Did I know he played for, for Jim Carmody, right? Was he oh, – he was not – he was always for Jim Carmody, right? 83, 86, yeah. Yep. Played his whole career for Big Nasty. Okay, because I think that was about the time that Coach Carmody was on, what, 87 maybe? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. So he just missed the, the, the next era. But, yeah, man, we talked about some of the great receivers that have played at Southern Miss, and they've produced some great – kickers and and not being patronizing to Luke, but I mean, you know, some great punters, but I think what gets lost in the shuffle is been some great quarterbacks down the line, too, and and Andrew was certainly one of them. I mean, when Alric Young is your backup, I mean, that tells you that, you know, you're pretty good. I would argue that if you look at the three Division I universities and you look at the lineage of quarterbacks, not to say there haven't been some great quarterbacks at Ole Miss, obviously the Mannings were Right, but boy, I tell you what, I don't know that either of those two schools up north can put together a list of quality quarterbacks that, that matches that that came through Southern Miss. It's easy to forget about people, Kelly, like uh, or like Jeff Kelly, who, who right. not only played here but played for the Seattle Seahawks for five or six years, and uh, and Austin Davis, right. and, and and obviously Brett Favre and Reggie Collier, and I mean, it's just yeah. yeah, touchdown, Tommy Waters. He's in that list, absolutely. He's in there, and you know right. what? Andrew Anderson should be in that list as well. They won some really, really big football games with with him quarterback in the Golden Eagles. 
Yeah, and I remember, you know, just how the the football culture when when Big Nasty was there. I mean, oh, they'd go man. eight eight and three and seven and four, but every year two of those losses were to Auburn and Alabama. It was fantastic. We were talking about you know, that the story. But, but, I mean, but, but you know, they, they wanted them. They practically ran them out of town. You know, back yeah. after. 87, but it's certainly the perspective of things changes over time, doesn't it? Yes. Well, we have run off some uh, Hall of Fame coaches. I'm not going to go down the list, but I think there are about three that are now in the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. <laughs> it would, you know, it would have to have been tough, though, regardless of who the man uh, was, to succeed Bobby Collins after oh, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Coach Collins yeah. put the, the program on the map. I guess it would be, in a way, like succeeding Bear Bryant. Right, you know, it's, right. It's, it's, you're always going to be compared to that guy, and I think probably at the time, that's why Coach Carmody was such a good fit because he had, you know, obviously history at Southern Miss. He had National Football League experience, uh, great connections, and he was on Bobby Collins' staff. So, and um, will go down in football history as the last coach to defeat a Bear Bryant football team. And man, you talk about a guy that knows some defense. Right. Oh man, the guru, no question yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, he was—he was—he's always been just terrific. I thought. All right, well, we're gonna wrap it up for the week. I'm gonna go home and start treatment on my rickets, and uh, Kelly <laughs> is gonna be doing some early morning workouts in his Toyota. You still doing that? Three or four miles every morning, right, Sander? Well, I think I drove six this morning because it was Did a good you? song on the radio. Yeah, is that correct? And and Luke, yeah. uh, Luke will be. Uh, Looking up stuff on his computer, I'm sure, and getting his statistics ready for next week. Right, Luke? Maybe fishing, too. Oh, fishing. Well, that's always a good thing. We hope you have a good weekend, too, everybody. We appreciate you tuning in to us three every day. We'll be back Monday at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.